0: Whispering Whispering Streets. And here is Betty Davis.
1: Hello. The streets that span a continent
0: whisper continuously
1: as they hurry from ocean to ocean. To Dorcas Haynes and Loretta Cranford, 69 and 67 respectively, they were crowded with incident and adventure and with certain moments of intense fear. As they drove along in their station wagon, Miss Cranford, the timid one, would stop knitting and touch the arm of Miss Haynes, the valiant one, with trembling fingers. I'm sure I saw an Indian behind that rock we just
2: passed, Dorcas. He hasn't used his bow and arrow yet, so I guess we're safe. If you could go a little faster, uh, perhaps 30? Look, if there's one Indian, there's a hundred Indians. All spread off across the plain. (laughs) And they don't burn females at the stake, Loretta. Not anymore. You mean they do? Worse? What's worse than frying? Oh, be your age, Loretta. Most of the Indians own oil wells and have gone to college. (laughs) You've been scared ever since we left Riverton. (laughs) Way back in Massachusetts. (laughs) You were the one who suggested this trip, not I, Doc. Well, you were mighty quick to come along. Well, I've never been to the West Coast. Got a hankering to be in a movie, Loretta? I'd like to see one mate. If that fellow thinks he's going to take off one of my mud guards, he's mistaken. Oh, he looked villainous. The driver, I mean. I didn't get a good look at the man in the back seat, but the driver was bad. Clear through like a desperado. Maybe you're right, Loretta. Maybe that was a black murder car like we're always reading about. The criminals escaped in a long black murder car. Why don't you talk like this when we're going through towns, Dorcas? What's the sense of talking about black murder cars when we're way out in the middle of nowhere? Myself, I like the open road. The last gas station we passed must have been 20 miles to the rear. This is the west, Loretta. The wide open spaces where men are men. Oh, I wish we'd stayed at that guest house 30 miles back. You mean stayed for good? No, but for longer than just to have coffee and crutters. Oh, why did we have to go on when the dark was coming? We could have stopped for the night and started out early in the morning. Oh, be sensible, Loretta. And don't upset my schedule. I've calculated to make so many miles a day, and I'm not going to change my plans for you or anybody else. But when our lives may be forfeited... worst that can happen to us will be a blowout. Ooh! Planet. My eyes are full of dust. Why do folks have to go so fast on a road like this? I'll never... It was the same convertible that passed us a while ago. It was going in the other direction, and now it's coming back. Oh, nonsense. I recognized the men's faces. The one driving had the same villainous features, the same black mustache, and I got a good look at the one in the back. A well-set-up man with gray hair about my age, and I think he's being kidnapped. Kidnapped? Oh, you've been reading too many Wild West stories, Loretta. Going as fast as that car was, like it's not the overshot there marked by a couple of hundred miles, and they're
3: driving
2: back to find their turn off. that's all. Uh, how many hours of twilight do you think we've got left? Just about one quarter of an hour. Well, then don't keep me talking. If I can't make time, we'll have to camp out in the wilderness. Uh! Under the circumstances, I'll put it up to Thirty-five. Don't go so fast, or I'll drop stitch after stitch, Dorcas. It's bad enough that the desperados have seen us and have backtracked to make an ambush without me having to rip out row after row. Ambush nothing. You're too full of dreams, Loretta. Oh, I wish I were as brave as you are, Dorcas. You can say that again. Well dark's coming down all of a sudden. Oh, is it going to be a storm? A storm? Out here? Oh, I'm terrified of lightning and thunder. I'll turn off the next side road I come to. (laughs) I'll drive until we've reached some sign of human habitation. I'll pray for the hotel or a dude ranch. Oh, Dorcas, it's getting awfully dark. I'm terrified of the dark. You're terrified of everything. If you don't watch out, the Almighty will send you a reason to be terrified. And I don't mean maybe. Oh, well, here's the side road. We'll turn down it. Look for the light. No, no, slow. The road's bumping. Ah! Ah! Oh, no, it's no, Stop! There's a tree trunk clear across the road. I see it.
0: That's what I expected. This is the ambush I was talking about. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be
3: back again.
0: But first...
3: Servicemen are now insured in two different ways. That's because military service time can now be credited toward both Social Security and military retirement. And with sufficient years of service, that means two checks in your retired years after age 65. In planning for your retirement, remember that although you may become eligible for military service retirement after 20 years of active service, Social Security qualifications are a little different. Retirement under Social Security is based on attainment of a specified retirement age and not based on years of service. The retirement age under Social Security is different for men and women. Women can retire at age 62 if insured, while men must wait until age 65. Getting insured under Social Security requires at least 10 years of credit time. But if you're already in your 50s, you can be insured for Social Security with slightly less than 10 years of coverage. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? And now, back
0: to our story with Betty Davis.
1: Dorcas, leaning out of the window, scrutinized the tree trunk that lay across the road. She pulled her vehicle to a stop. Well, this is odd.
2: No sign saying Private Road, or I wouldn't have turned in. Oh. I guess I'll climb out and see what's going on. Oh, don't you dare climb out. Turn the car and go back to the highway. Not a chance, Loretta. When there's a mystery, I want to get to the bottom of it. You know me. I'm going to examine this tree trunk. It's been cut down recently, Loretta. The sap is still running from the raw wound. The wound? Hmm?
3: you make it sound bloody.
2: That is tree blood. Well, I guess I'll climb over the tree trunk and walk down the road, please. Oh, don't leave me in the car alone. How long, then? But but that dark road. Well, take your choice. I'm going anyhow. I'll see you in church, Loretta. Wait for me. Wait for me. Bring the car keys. And the flashlight. Oh, Yes, yes. Wait for me, Dorcas. Please wait for me. When you go fast, I can't keep up with you. Wait for me! I'm waiting. Don't turn your ankle on one of the stones on the road because I'm not going to carry you back to the station wagon and nurse you all the way to the coast. Would you leave me here to perish in the wilderness? That would depend on a lot of things. Oh, give me that flashlight, your hand shaking so the beam wavers. Why wouldn't it shake after what you just said? Here's the flashlight. Thanks. Well, the path's beginning to narrow down. Oh, I'll tear my stockings on the underbrush. You should be wear such thin stockings on an expedition like ours. I'll scratch my legs. You keep quiet for a little while, Loretta Cranford. I can't hear myself think. Well, I'll be. Oh, why are you putting out the flashlight? Don't you see what I see? <gasps> My yeah. land, it's a light up ahead and to the left. Dorcas, that light is shining from the window of a little cabin. We must tiptoe close up to it. We must peer through the window... Ah, heaven knows what we'll see, Dorcas. Maybe that Desperado who was driving the black murder car <gasps> right Don't say that, Dorcas. And don't you scream like that, Loretta. Now, follow me on tiptoe. Those two men are there. Ah, a life may be at stake inside that cabin. Two lives may be at stake right here, outside the cabin... There's only one man in the cabin. And he's the one I noticed in the back of the car. Oh, such a pleasant-looking man. But see the way he's holding his hands. He's handcuffed. Handcuffed to the chair. Come on, Loretta. Obviously, the desperado has left him to die alone. Where are we going? We'll try to get inside and ask a few questions. Desperado were as wicked as he seemed. The door would be locked. That's so. But... Well, what do you know? The fool Desperado has left the key in the lock. He must be an amateur. Come along, Loretta.
4: Who?
5: Who the heck are you?
2: I'm Dorcas Haynes. Miss Dorcas Haynes. And this is my friend, Loretta Cranford. And we've come to save you...
4: Come to save me? blazes can you do? I'm handcuffed.
2: We realize that. Close the door, Loretta. We don't want the Desperado to creep up behind us and take us by surprise.
4: The Desperado?
2: Yes, the one who was driving the black motor car. It passed us coming and going. We saw his face and drew our own conclusions. We saw your face, too. Such a kind, gentlemanly face.
4: Oh. Oh, so that's it.
2: Yes. The rat up, the door. I'll put the key in my mitten bag with the extra set of car keys. Do. Why are you handcuffed? And what's
4: your name? Oh, my... My name is George Smith, and... I've been kidnapped.
2: (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Exactly what I said.
4: No, I'm... I'm relying on your secrecy. That is, if we three get out of this alive. I'm a banker, and I came to this part of the country on a camping trip. Yes?
2: Oh, please go on, do.
4: Oh, yes. Well, to proceed, the desperado came to my camp, when I was quite alone. Uh, He surprised me. I thought he was one of the other men in the camp. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he clamped handcuffs on me and threw me into the back of the... The black murder (gasps) car.
2: It's the worst thing I ever heard. Well,
4: it is pretty bad.
2: How long has the Desperado kept you prisoner, Mr. Smith?
4: For a day and a night. Oh, my wrists are killing me. And I haven't had any food. We stopped at a place with a telephone a while ago, and he talked for a short time, and then he turned back. We were making for the Canadian border, I believe.
2: Oh, that's why he passed us twice.
4: Oh, definitely. But now he's got Mexico in mind. Oh? Some news came to him over the telephone that... Well, that alarmed him.
2: Obviously.
4: Yes, yes. He's probably trying to collect ransom money, and, well, he'll kill me if the ransom money doesn't come through.
2: (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, Doc, as we came in the nick of time. That we did. We must all get out of this unpleasant situation. And the sooner, the better. Well, our first task is to remove the handcuffs from Mr. Smith.
4: Well, I, um. I suppose you have a key in your pocket? I
2: have the keys to this cabin, and the car key is in my knitting bag, but, Dorcas, why are you snatching at my arm that way? It'll be covered with black and blue spots.
0: a moment. Betty Davis will be back. Not long ago, a United States Army major from New York State
5: showed the forgotten people of Korea, 45,000 shunned and outcast lepers, that somebody still cared and remembered them. Major Frank Jaworski began by collecting nearly $30,000 in food, bedding, and clothing for the needy lepers and their children. He learned of the lepers' flight from Catholic missionaries in South Korea and then began an amazing one-man campaign to help them. The Major collected woolen jackets, sleeping bags, and any other equipment he could scrape up. Then, during the Christmas season, he asked the men of his unit, Headquarters Detachment 8th Army Special Troops, to contribute whatever they could for the afflicted children. The response was tremendous, showing the true American spirit of sharing and giving to those less fortunate. Before the men were finished giving, Major Jaworski found himself with 700 packages, each worth $5 of food and clothing for the leper's children. With the windfall created by his men's generosity, the Major continued to give many of the packages to Korea's unregistered lepers, of whom there were an estimated 25,000 living in caves and under bridges. Yes, the Major had an axe to grind. He believed that in spite of race, color, creed, or disease, people are worth living for, working for, and sharing with. And he certainly accomplished a lion's share in upholding this belief. Through his unselfish act, he gave us all a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go,
0: so goes America. And now, back to our story with Betty Davis.
1: There was a gleam of hope in the eyes of the man who wore the handcuffs. It was a faint gleam, but it was there. He watched as Loretta Cranford passed over her knitting bag reluctantly. He saw Dorcas Haynes reach into it and fumble around. He saw her hand emerge with a long steel knitting needle in it. He saw her lay the knitting bag on a convenient table. This knitting needle. I've heard of folks opening handcuffs with knitting needles. You're
2: crazy. Not as crazy as you might think. If you bend that needle, Dorcas, I'll never be able to finish my bed jacket. If I don't open these handcuffs before the desperado gets back, we'll all have wooden bed jackets. Here. Oh, we should have stayed home in Riverton, Massachusetts. I knew it. I put up every known objection. No time to talk of that now. Oh, those handcuffs are cutting ridges in your flesh, Mr. Smith. Yes,
5: I'm in agony.
2: Yes, well, I'll try to be careful, but I may jab you with the knitting needle while I'm at work.
4: Well, one jab more or less won't matter.
2: I heard of a prisoner who escaped from his handcuffs with the aid of a file. I wish we had a file. I it wishes the horses beggars would ride. And I've heard it said that a woman can do more with a knitting needle or a bobby pin than most men could do with a completely fitted tool kit. Oh,
4: please don't rattle on that way. You you make me nervous. Well,
2: she makes me nervous too. You? Well, you'll be worse than nervous if I don't succeed, young man. Modern handcuffs couldn't be opened with a knitting needle. But these are quite archaic. I uh, Think I have something? <laughs> Mr. Smith, you are free.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's your wrist.
4: What do you think I'm doing?
2: Help <laughs> him, Loretta. Massage your wrists. I never massage a man's wrists in my entire life. I wouldn't know how. You won't learn younger.
4: Well Ouch! Lay off me. That hurts like the devil.
2: Even though you are an important banker, you mustn't swear in the presence of ladies. Oh. And, uh, may I remind you that we have no time to waste?
4: Oh, yes, yes, you may indeed, Miss Haynes. Uh, Miss Cranford, will you put out your hands? Your right hand, Miss Haynes. Miss Cranford, your left hand. Ah, now, hold them close together.
2: Are you were asking us to swear an oath of secrecy? Yes, yeah,
4: something like that. Well, now you're handcuffed and thanks a heap. Dear ladies, <laughs> you've been more than obliging.
2: What's the meaning
4: of this, Mr. Smith? Uh, you'll find out.
2: Oh, he's taking my knitting bag. Yeah,
4: I most certainly am. These car keys may come in handy. I, I-, I won't say goodbye, just au revoir. revoir.
2: Well, this is a pretty kettle of fish. What do you make of it, old Dorcas? What do I make of it? I don't know what to make of it. When the desperado comes back... When he comes back and starts giving us the business, you'll feel pretty long-eared, Loretta. So will I. Oh, if only we were back in Riverton, Massachusetts. I'm inclined to agree with you, Loretta. And I'm afraid it'll be a long walk.
1: They were back in a quiet town in a quiet state. Two elderly ladies who had learned by experience, but who were fortunately none the worse for wear. Dorcas poured herself a cup of tea and sat rocking as she sipped it. <laughs>
2: I sure felt long-eared <laughs> when that sheriff came back and showed us his silver star. <laughs> but he had to admit himself that he looked like a desperado. And the way he went back and forth in that black car. He was looking for the spot where Mr. Smith had told him he'd hidden the money. Mr. Smith, indeed. Gentleman George Smith is the name. <laughs> Remoter of phony uranium stock. Oh, that Swindler sold stock to most everyone in the town. And then left in a great hurry with nearly $20,000. I wonder... I wonder if they'll ever catch up with him, Loretta. In a way, uh, and you must forgive me for saying this, I'm not sorry he got away. He had such a kind face.
1: Well, you can't judge by appearances. Sometimes a person who looks villainous can be trusted to the limit. Sometimes the man or woman who looks like an angel is wearing a protective coloration of saintliness. And now, are you wondering whether Gentleman George was ever caught?
0: And now here again is Betty Davis.
1: Well, Gentleman George did have a certain elusive charm. It was felt by Miss Loretta Cranford, and Miss Dorcas Haynes felt it too, although she'd never admit it even to herself. But there was one woman who was impervious to that charm, and you'll hear about her when you meet Gentleman George under different circumstances. Until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the whispering streets.
0: was written by Margaret E. Sangster. Featured in the cast were Lorene Tuttle, Ruth Parrott, and George Neese. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Cubberley.